0: This is a Radio One ninety one 91FM podcast.
1: ...the Otago Museum Breakfast Show, and right now on the line from which I believe is probably Havelock North, I'm joined by Amanda Palmer. Good morning to you, Amanda.
0: Good morning. Kia ora.
1: And how are we today?
0: <laughs> I've actually been up since 5 a.m. I've gotten into this weird sleeping groove where I go to bed at like 9, and I wake up at the, at the crack of dawn, <sighs> mostly so I can stay in touch with all of my friends
1: and family back in the state. Um, So you, you basically got my sleeping pattern as a breakfast radio host.
0: Yeah like yeah. a farmer yeah yeah, like a farmer that's right also, I have a I have a, a four year old so it it also means that I get these like delicious hours before he wakes up in the morning right I the house to myself
1: ah uh, oh yes I can imagine that is um, a brilliant feeling because yeah as a stepfather of three I know what you're going through um, but just a little bit more intense <laughs> Um, right. When life a gives a lot, it's really a lot. Yeah, three is a hell of a lot. Um, but when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And when life gives you kiwi fruit, you become a kiwi. Um, from um, from my view, uh, you could be the luckiest uh, touring in, international touring artist on the planet. Um, you know, you're stuck in one of uh, the countries in the world that's doing. Th- They're up no, most best when it comes to COVID, uh, but you are also, you know, in a place where you can tour and play shows, albeit to only a hundred people at this point. But I mean, how was it being here?
0: I mean, I I hit the jackpot. I mean, you you, you said it right. I I was on a world tour that started uh, well over a year ago, and you know, I was playing massive theaters all over the planet. Um, I had done a massive North American tour, big European and UK tour, and then um, around Christmas I went to Australia and I toured for three months all over Australia doing festivals. And New Zealand was supposed to be like the little tag on the end of the world tour, where I was going to play four shows and then collapse in a heap yeah. and fly back to New York for for it. it was, the shows were in March and it just so happened that you know just as covid was exploding I, I i came over from melbourne i almost didn't come because it seemed a little risky but um everyone talked me into it and i got on a plane leaving my my husband and my kid back in melbourne mm-hmm. and then it was just and that was right in the middle of march when you remember that massive conflagration where everything changed really fast yeah, yeah. um and I, I had a choice you know I really thought about it hard I could go back to New York and lock down with my friends and family or I could stay here and see what happened and I decided to stay here and I I think I made the right choice I mean, th- and everyone keeps saying like are you stuck I'm like I'm not stuck I've <laughs> I flown back and still could fly back to any New York to New York any day yeah. but I'm not an idiot <clears throat> um and my kid has been so happy here and You know it feels like we're living in this weird dream but you know i put him into kindy and we bought a car and we're renting a house and you know it's surreal but we've really we've made a little home here while we while the smoke you know clear i keep saying while the smoke clears i mean the smoke is not clearing in america and it just feels like every every week and every news cycle i'm more and more happy that i didn't go back
1: Well, your other two options, like New York and Melbourne, Um, you look at where they're sitting right now. I mean, especially in New York in the early days in March, April, um, May, I mean, it was hit pretty hard. Uh, and things still aren't great there, oh, yeah. and then Melbourne's in complete shutdown. So um, you you really did um, get somewhere in the middle, I and dug, it's a I p- dodged
0: every bullet. <laughs> you
1: did. You really did.
0: Um, and I mean, I even dodged. I even dodged. I was thinking of moving to Auckland in August, and I decided to stay <laughs> here in Hawk Bay, and I managed to dodge that bullet. Wow! Too. Wow! Someone is watching out for me, man. <laughs> how,
1: how has Aotearoa been for you creatively?
0: Oh well, it's been it's been a really mixed blessing because um, so my husband left during lockdown, and that's a whole long story. But basically, you know, I've had to be a, sin- a single parent. Yeah, and you know, I've just been pretty much completely occupied with with my son and making sure he's okay, and basically spending all or most of my time with him, which leaves very little time on the side for, you know, creative pursuits. It's almost, you know, on, on any given day, if I can even get to the list of household things to do and knock off a couple of emails, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. So yeah. I, you know, and just like anyone else dealing with this stuff, it's, you know, it's amazing the time just vanishes. But one of the things that's miraculous about the way my career is built is that since I'm not on a label and I don't have to go through the machine and the system, I can make work really quickly and put it out really quickly and, and make my salary because I'm patron-funded. Yeah. So patronage hasn't really exploded here in New Zealand the way it has over in America, but I have 15,000 patrons who pay wow. me about $3 to $5 a month, and that is how I make my living, and it's how I pay my staff. It's how I pay my rent. It's how I afford the recording studio and all of the internet stuff that I have to do. And it's incredible. And so when I get a little idea, like doing a cover song, you know, with a collaborator, I can just go and I can rent an expensive studio. I can hire an arranger. And, you know, I spent a total of two days, um, probably all told, rehearsing and, and, and arranging and creating that project. But that two days has really... You know, come to fruition And it's going to pay my rent For the next couple months And that's not possible When you're on a major label Or you're even just independent And relying on, like, piddling amounts of money To come in through Spotify Or YouTube Or what have you So I really lucked out I built my career And my financial You know, my own little Off-grid music system In a way that will pay me And sustain me In times when I can't tour like this And a lot of musicians Are not that lucky
1: Yeah, yeah Um, I think when it comes to you being lucky, I think Ash is lucky too, and you and Ash are lucky together to be able to have this time.
0: It's been incredible. Um, You know, I I don't know if I would have scripted this Mm. or chosen it, because it's also been incredibly difficult, especially without having a dad. Yeah. But, you know, I just, I feel, I feel incredibly lucky from the minute I wake up. So the minute I go to bed, and I walk around, you know, like the little village of Havlock North, <laughs> <laughs> this random town, it's so random. And I just walk around, and I just look at people getting on with their lives and going to the bank, and and you know, sitting in a cafe, and going to the playground with Ash, and going to the beach where he's running around with little kids and dogs, and he wouldn't know that a global pandemic is raging yeah. at all. Yeah. It's just nothing abnormal. He's not seeing panicked, anxious, freaked-out adults everywhere he goes. He's not really seeing that many people in masks. And when I talk to my friends back in the States, that's just their day-to-day existence. And they're they're so anxious about their kids and how their kids are feeling and experiencing the world right now. And I'm so happy that my kid does not have to go through that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hey Amanda,
1: good ideas come from mundane or ordinary moments. Uh, Archimedes takes a bath. Uh, Newton sits under a tree. You are doing the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to Portishead. Yeah,
0: I was doing the dishes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I was doing a lot. I did a lot of dishes in lockdown. It just felt <laughs> like the whole day was like dishes, laundry, cooking, dishes, laundry, <laughs> cooking, bath time for the kid. Um yeah i was i was listening to um sort of the album dummy by portishead Mm. is one of my like stand by stand by records it just never gets old yeah it's always comforting you know i hear the first opening chords of that first song and i'm just like ah it's like a bath in itself and and it's a fire came on and i just stopped what i was doing and listened to the lyrics and it was so funny, because even then, the lyrics had this whole new layer of meaning. But months later, you know, because we made that song two months ago and it took us long to put it out, now, like, all of the fire on top of it, so there's fire and masks and, you know, and I can't breathe and all of this stuff that just felt so bizarrely relevant mm-hmm. to the moment. But that's also, like, good songs are always like that. Good songs are enough of a, of a Rorschach that they just continue to be, like, perennially applicable to whatever we're going through emotionally. Yeah, yeah, And I just thought, like, the minute I heard it, I was just like, I have to cover this. I have to cover this song. I'm going to have to find a way to cover this song. And um, and I went to my go-to collaborator, Jarek Bischoff, who's yes. an L.A.-based, like, string arranger, composer, and, and I said, I don't have any time. I'm slammed, but I know that you're... At home alone, looking <laughs> for work. Why don't you arrange this, and I'll just do the piano and vocal on top of it, and let's find a great singer—you um, know, someone definitely a woman of color—to do this with me as a duet. And Rhiannon Giddens was like the top top pick of my list, and thank God she said yes because yeah. I didn't have a, I didn't have a plan B. I was like, it's got to be Rhiannon or nobody. Yeah. And, yeah, and so we did a distance recording, and you know, this this song was made in in three different studios and we just did a lot of texting back and forth and emailing and listening to mixes and um, I just listened to it this morning and when it dropped and it brought me to tears again it's such a beautiful recording
1: and yeah because Rhiannon's, she's in Ireland and of course she said before Derek's in um, LA so it's like a, a crazy, I mean this is yeah. probably what I mean one thing that's coming out of COVID I guess in a way is teaching even, even though we've all had the ability to do things online and uh, uh, for years but you know learning and adapting to, to new things and, and, and collaborations will happen like this now from now on which wouldn't have happened before COVID yeah. perhaps where you can do things with people, you know musicians you love from foreign nations, it's amazing, it's incredible um You know, and and Rhiannon, an interesting interesting choice. I mean, coming from like a bluegrass, old timey, uh, folk background, but you know, she's a complete student of musical composition. She's a musician's musician, right? She is. She's a she's a
0: all around. Of all musical trades She's incredible I mean, she can just do anything yeah, yeah, yeah My one regret is that I mean, she plays a really mean fiddle And my one regret is that We didn't carve out a violin solo For her in the song Because she would have she nailed it Oh, yeah, so true didn't, We didn't think to do that No,
2: no. Um,
0: And she, you know, she, she I, I, I just posted a whole blog about this song And how we created it And she, um she said she really loved the challenge of, of singing sort of outside of her genre. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think part of what makes the vocal work when she sings it is that you know, it, it's just so unpretentious. And that's what we were going for with the delivery of the song is like it it I wanted it to just feel like a friend is talking to your ear, you know, with no added fanciness. Yeah. And 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 she just really, she just nailed it. I mean, I listen to her voice singing those words, and I just feel so loved <laughs> and held, and, you know, and I, I'm actually used to making music like this, you know, as a, as a very internet-based artist who travels around constantly. I've done lots of collaborations where I'm never in the same room as the people, and we're trading files back and forth on the internet, and, you know, I've I mean, I've done recordings with, you know, nine different people who never met each other and they're hmm. all on the record. And um, and yet there was something special about this moment, you know, because this was also being, this was right when the, the Black Lives Matter conflagration in itself was happening in the States. And, you know, that also shoved me in the direction of, like, actively looking for a black artist to do the cover artwork. And... You know, every time I put out a digital single, there always needs to be artwork. Um, and and that sort of becomes, you know, one of the main collaborators. Mm-hmm. So we found this incredible French artist living in Melbourne, um, who's black, named Jessica Copet And her, she she had, I found her on Instagram, and there was this beautiful image that she had drawn of, of a man and a woman, you know, smashing their faces together, making out, but both wearing masks that was so affecting that I just cold called her, and I said, hey, can you do something like that (laughs) for an album cover? And she said, oh, my God, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that's good to remind people is that, you know, someone has to pay for all of this stuff. And the way the music industry works is really punishing. So, you know, all of these artists who collaborated in this got to pull a salary, you know, down to the last string player in L.A. who I never even met, but emailed back and forth. You know, the whole team worked on this track. They all got to pocket a fee, which Mm -hmm. they need to pay the rent and stay alive. That's right. And then after that, all of the money is going to charity. And, you know, and I got to pull enough to, like, cover my costs and cover the recording studio and, and, you know... The, the fact that I can do this with patronage is what's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's kind of hard for people to understand, but I'm like, yeah, if I didn't have patronage, I couldn't make a track like this. It would lose too much money. I would have to beg the artists to work for free if it were, if there was going to be a charity component. Like A track like this doesn't go up on iTunes and make tens of thousands of dollars. It just doesn't. It doesn't work that way, guys. And and my patrons all get that, and they cheerlead me to do these projects, and they gladly give their money knowing that it's going to, to feed artists, basically, and mm-hmm. to help artists, especially now during COVID, to, like, work and survive. It's so awesome.
1: I best point out that the the lyric that really struck you was, I can't breathe through this mask. And the I can't breathe thing, of course, um, stems from Eric Gardner um, from back in 2014, who was selling cigarettes on the street corner at NYC and was choked to death by uh, a police officer whilst being yeah. surrounded by many more police officers, um, which I guess has been echoed since... Uh, and it certainly wasn't the first time it happened either, but it really did start a movement. Uh, and we remember that movement from then, and, and, and it has been going on uh, ever since, and revamped this year, of course, um, by the other losses as well. Plus, there's that like, the bit about the mask. So it, it, that's how these two things have come together in time. Um, and so, all yeah. pros. Yeah, oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, one interesting fact
0: there is that. You know, that lyric moves me uh, you know, whatever. That dish doing moment was probably back in, in late April, early May. And I have to say, I think if I were doing that dish now and listening to the song, I I, I would be too afraid to cover it. Yeah. With a lyric like that. Because back then it was before masks were politicized mm. in America. And I remember like the growing politi- you know, politicization of those masks. And, you know, as I was working on this project, I was like, oh, my God, are people going to think that we're actually saying, I can't breathe through this mask, as in, take it off me, I don't want to wear it, because, oh, my God, (laughs) that is not a message I want to put out.
1: (laughs) That's right. You know,
0: it's also why the artwork was so essential. I mean, the artwork, um, you can see it up online on the the Bandcamp where you can download the track. It's beautiful. And it's it of me and Rhiannon looking deep into each other's eyes, grabbing each other's hands, both wearing masks. And, you know, even though I think everyone in America should be wearing a mask, it's still not necessarily comfortable. And... There's just layers and layers that you could, you could just go down a rabbit hole of like <laughs> infinite meaning yes. when it comes to the song because it's so open to interpretation.
1: Right um, now you are coming to Dunedin or Taita. Um, on the 7th of November um, you were originally stated to come here this month but that's been pushed because we were, went back into level 2 and level 3 uh, and you're coming to play at, it's the first time in Dunedin which is fantastic and we're really I can't wait to um, see you live and you're coming to play at the Regent Theatre which I know you haven't been to yet but um, you're going to love it it's such an amazing space um, So I
0: have only seen photographs but it looks gorgeous
1: yeah, yeah and the acoustics mwah Marvelous, marvelous. Um, so, what are we going to see from you? What is a typical show like these days?
0: Uh, well, I I'll have a piano and I'll have a ukulele, and I will play songs. <laughs> yeah. That's that's always the general. That's yes. always the general theme. <laughs> but yeah, I, I always tailor every show differently. Um, you know, the tour that I just wrapped up. Um, you know, which I performed 80, 90 times, um, you know, o- over most of 2019 it was a four hour show. And it was based all threaded around my new record. And I was, and I did a lot of storytelling about a lot of really dark stuff, you know, exploring my friends, my best friend's death from cancer and what it felt like to go through abortions and a miscarriage and loss and grief. But it was also really funny. It was the funniest show I ever, you know, wrote. And by the time I got to Australia, I started tweaking the show because I wanted to sing about the bushfires. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. by the time I got to New Zealand and did what would be my last three shows of that tour, I threw the entire script out the window and just started, just started taking requests from the audience and <laughs> passing the mic around because every last audience. And, you know, I am a really good improviser, and I, I like, you know, I, I want my shows to just feel very special and of the moment.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: I am known to just, like, toss the entire plan out the window if even if something happens the day of the show and I will just tailor the set to to what the moment calls for. Um, it's my favorite part of being a performer, especially being um, a solo performer. You know, when you're traveling with a seven-piece band, you can't quite get away with that every night. But when it's just you and an instrument, you can just do what you want. You can just flip the script any time, even halfway through the show. And, you know, I... I love being on stage. I'm I'm good at it. I've done it for, you know, 25 years. And Mm -hmm. my favorite part of being on the stage is, like, responding to the room and the news and what's needed and what's happening. And, you know, if I'm going to be in a room of 500 people, what do they need right now? What can I do? How can I help? And I've never looked at my job as an artist quite... The same way, especially after doing this last tour, where I really, um, I was just so deeply reminded that being an artist and a performer is a, it's like a service position. You know, when you get it right and you do it right, you actually really can help people out of the dark. And you have to be able to really listen to them. If you just go on autopilot, you know, you can make some good art and you can entertain people, but, there's a there's a deeper calling, you know. Musicians like Rhiannon get that as well. I've seen her perform live, and musicians who really get that, like that, it's a service position, and that you're there in service of the audience. They just have a whole different way of performing than people who are just at it for the money or for the for the ego boost or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a friend see that show in Wellington. Friend of the friend of the uh, station. Bryce Edwards, who um, I think you met and talked to afterwards, um, and he said it was amazing. So we, yeah, So he's given us, he's let us know how things are, so we really wait, can't I wait did, to but see I didn't,
0: I didn't play in Wellington.
1: Oh, well, Wellington or Christchurch, play you plan. played in a church. But it might have been in Auckland. It, it might have been in Auckland, place. in a church. He was there, one of the few. Yeah, and
0: that was yeah. in... Uh yeah, that was in um, that was in Auckland.
1: Oh, he's based in Wellington. Oh, That's so why I got confused. Was
0: it? Oh, well, no, actually. So I did actually I the did live a mini mini show in Wellington to yeah. like five people. Yeah, he yeah, was there. It was a live stream. He
1: was one of them. Oh wow! Yeah.
0: Oh, he was one of my five audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, good old Bryce. And also yet another example of how of how New Zealand has like twelve people in it. Everyone to know everybody else.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we'll have to leave it there, but thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been a pleasure, and hopefully, we'll talk again um, before the show uh, in November. That November the yeah. 7th, the Regent tickets on sale.
0: Can I, can I say how excited I am to come to Dunedin? I've never been, and everyone just gushes endlessly about how cool and beautiful it is and also I need to give a shout out to Aaron Hawkins (laughs) the reason I booked that show because he reached out to me over Facebook waving his hands going hey I'm a fan you should come to Dunedin and I was like man if you're asking me
1: He's, he's the mayor
0: so yeah if it hadn't been for him I probably wouldn't have booked the show
1: well I'm not surprised he also had this job that I'm doing right now before me so he left this job to become the mayor. Oh wow. I uh, was at the council so yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's again
0: it's the 12 people
1: of New Zealand who are actually eligible. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, 13 th- 14 now because there's you <laughs> and your son. Uh, all right, well, we'll leave it there. But thank you so much for joining us. I have yourself a wonderful day in the beautiful Hawke's Bay. Go have some Chardonnay, if that's your thing. Thank
0: you. <laughs> and, you know, I also just noticed we never mention, I don't know if we mentioned the name of the song, but if oh, you yeah. want to go look it up, it, it's a, it's called, the song is called It's a Scare. I'm going to play it right now. And I'm sure if you Google it or look look on my Bandcamp, you can find it pretty easily. It's also up all over social media. Yeah, so you yeah. can find it if
1: you look at my name. Or oh, I'm going I'm to play it right now. Thank so you so much good. for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Have a all wonderful right. day, and we'll talk again. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Raymond De Palmer there, here it is, It's a Fire. And it's the last song of the show, so I'll see you tomorrow morning. You're on the 191 FM, Jamie Green out.
0: listening to a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. There are heaps more at
2: r1.co.nz.